Amen. How y'all doing this morning? If you got a Bible, I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. Where'd that thing go? I had sitting up there. I had a black bucket sitting up there. Where'd that go? All right. All right. If you got a Bible, we're going to read together this morning. We're going to look at some days in the people of God's life that are very, very similar to the days that we look today. Jeremiah was called to minister to the nation of Israel at a time when as a nation they had changed God's, walked away from their God, and embraced and changed their glory for the glory of what only the devil can provide. And if you look here with me, we're going to start reading this morning together, and then we're going to pray. And in verse 11, if you read with me, we're going to read it together right quick. I hope you got a Bible with you today that you can follow. But the Bible says as Jeremiah is confronting God's people who are very, very religious. They're at temple. They're at church. When you read the book of Jeremiah, there was a time of a lot of religion, but there wasn't a lot of righteousness. It was a time when people were going to church. I can hear myself. Oh, chapter 2, I'm sorry. Chapter 2. I was like, but anyway, we're going to pick up in verse 11 together. And I'm going to put it on here for you. But I want to talk to us more about drinking from the devil's bucket for a little while. And I want you to look at this with me. If you look in verse 11, Jeremiah asked him, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. I want to ask you a question. With what you've been doing with the Lord, can you surely say it's being fruitful? That you're receiving profit out of your relationship the way the Bible said you should? I want you to look at what he says. He says, because a nation changed its gods, which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. He said, be astonished, O heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid, be very desolate, says the Lord. And this is the verse I want to preach from, the third verse. He said, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn for themselves, they've dug for themselves cisterns that are broken, that can't even hold water. Father, in the name of Jesus today, I want to thank you for the living water that flows through Christ that quenches our spiritual thirst, that fills us with fulfillment and satisfaction and gives us the ability to live a life that you've called us to live. Help us today, Lord, as we look at this in the days of Jeremiah. Father, bless us now. Look at what he says. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? You know, I can see us looking and saying a nation changing their gods. And certainly if we look at America... The God that America recognizes today is not the God that our founding fathers recognized. It's not the God that our grandfathers that we knew recognized. The God that America as a nation looks to today is not the God that helped to instill into our founding fathers the principles that gave us the Constitution and what makes America the special purposeful nation that it is 
I'm not here to tell you that all that America as a nation was ever a covenant nation. But because of the presence of the church and its influence in the nation, the nation of America has been blessed in an unbelievable way. Amen. But guys, today I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that instead of the church influencing the nation, it seems to me more that the nation has influenced the church. That if you look around at a lot of people in the church today, the God that we are serving is not profiting us much more than the God that America has embraced, the false God that gives them what they think they want. Whatever they're thirsty for, they build them a God. That's what they were doing in Jeremiah's day. Now, guys, I could see a nation turning from God and God confronting them with this. But this was not just any nation. This was God's nation, the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel, who he had done so much with. And I want you to notice what he says in the verse that we're probably going to look at. He didn't say a nation that doesn't know me has done this. He says, my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. He says, my people who know me have committed two evils. And the first thing they did was they had forsaken him. Now, I want you to look at this with me for a minute. Today, most of us sitting in a pew in a church today does not for one moment think that backsliding is very dangerous. <laughs> but I'm here today to tell you backsliding away from God is more dangerous than most of you think. And guys, let me tell you what God said about it. This was not someone who did not know the Lord. This was not someone who had not been blessed by the Lord, who had not been introduced to him and what he can do. This was the people of God that had been given covenant promises. And with those covenant promises, had experienced and seen heavenly power and favor. I want you to turn back with me to the first verse of chapter 2. And I want you to see how he talks about them and how... Jeremiah reminds them of where they used to be before they slid to where they are now since they've changed gods, since they're worshiping something else now. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. You know, I get teased a lot. They said, You get loud, preacher. You, you go to hollering. I don't think Jeremiah went there and whispered, my friend. I think Jeremiah went there. You go to look at chapter 7. He stood at the gate of the, the door of the church preaching, thus saith the Lord. And he says right there, he says, Jeremiah, you go and you cry in the hearing of the people and you say, I remember you. The Lord says, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me in the wilderness in a lad not sown, what he's talking about there, he said, I remember the devotion of you when we were young. When we were like a bride in a newlywed situation. I remember you in the betrothal of the early days. How you would go with me anywhere. You followed me into the wilderness. You went where nobody else would go. Remember when you first met Jesus? How important he was to you? Remember when he was everything? When you woke up thinking about him. You went to bed thinking about him. You couldn't get him off your mind. Can you remember a day like that? I want to ask you this morning. Are you close to Jesus today as the day you met God? Because if you're not, you're backsliding. And friends, listen, 
Backsliding is not something that happens really quick. Men who fall away from God fall a long time personally before they fall publicly. And the church to get to where it is today did not happen yesterday. It's been a gradual slope of sliding away from God. And friends, backsliding is very dangerous. Look at what he he goes on and tells them. He says in verse 3, Israel was holiness to the Lord. The first fruits of his increase in all that devoured him, Israel, will offend. He's saying anything that came after Israel offended me and disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Look at verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. And look at what he says. What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me have followed idols and have become idolaters. Neither do they say anymore, where is the Lord who saved us? What did he save them from? He brought them up out of Egypt. Remember how he met them? He sent Moses. Moses went and said, the Lord come and told me to come to you and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. They laughed. Pharaoh ain't going to let us go, but hey, God by his mighty hand sent the plagues and delivered them. And once he delivered them, he took them to the Red Sea. And he parted the Red Sea. And he brought them through on dry land. A picture of God bringing us from out of the darkness of the world into the marvelous light of his kingdom and saving us in Christ. And as they went through, yes, they went through. But when the enemy tried to go through, the same thing that saved them destroyed Pharaoh and his army. The, the, the sea fell upon them. They had seen all of this. This was their God. They were God's chosen nation. And he says, though a land of deserts and pits, though a land of drought and the shadow of earth, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. He said, remember where I led you? Through the wilderness. I dropped manna from the sky and fed you. I struck water from a rock and gave you to drink. I protected you, I kept you, your shoes didn't wear off your feet for 40 years. And he said, what have I done that would make you turn from me? You see, we don't think that it's a bad thing to turn from the Lord, but look at what God says when you look at verse 12 again with me. He says, has a nation changed its gods which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory. What they're looking for now is not primarily God. You see, we don't look at ourselves as idolaters. But if there's anything in our life that begins to get more of our affection, more of our time and our adoration, and we spend more effort pursuing than God, whatever it is, no matter how good it is, it has become evil. It's become an idol. It can happen with you with your relationship with your spouse or your kid. It can happen with a hobby. It can happen with your work. All good things that we need to live wrongly embraced and idolized becomes an idol. It can become a trip in your boat, <laughs> a limb in a white perch, a shopping trip, a house, a car. Many things that we look at we don't realize can take the place of God. And anything that becomes more important to us than God has become an evil because it takes you away from God. Listen what he told them right there. 
He said, be astonished in verse 12. O heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. He says, my people have committed two evils. And I want you to look at what he says right there. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. Guys, listen. Why would they forsake him, the fountain for living waters, for an old hole dug in the ground that holds nasty water, that's not fresh, that's not flowing, <laughs> that's not living, and it don't even hold the water, it leaks. But he said that's what they had done. They had dug cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water, nothing but a bucket, <laughs> And I want to talk to you a little while about drinking from the devil's bucket. Drinking from the devil's bucket always leaves you empty. It never fulfills nor can it quench that spiritual thirst that God created you to have that desires him. That can only be satisfied in him. That can only make you feel like life is purposeful and real and has meaning once you've ever met him, you can't live empty. <laughs> and the devil keeps tricking us. He keeps trying to help us and convince us that we can find what we think we need in the devil's bucket. I did it forever as a lost man. But we still sometimes do it as a saved man. Look at what God said to him. Look at verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Look down at verse 17. We like to blame it on circumstances. You don't understand, God, my background. You don't realize my past. I came from a dysfunctional, broken home. I lost my job. I have an addictive personality. You ever tried any of those? <laughs> but you know what God ultimately says when you turn from him and you go back to something else? as a replacement to seek what only he can provide, the living water, and you turn to a bucket to drink from instead of the fountain? Look at verse 17. He says, you have not brought this, have you not brought this on yourself in that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he had led you in his way? I don't know about y'all, but when I got saved, I no longer wondered what I needed to do. God gave me an instruction book. And he gave me a Holy Spirit, and he began to lead my life. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? But you know what I find Marvin doing? I find Marvin looking at what the world has. I find Marvin sometimes even being drawn back to where God found him in the first place. And I don't know about y'all, but for 33 years, I drank from the devil's bucket, and I loved it. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, your own wickedness will correct you. And your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and a bitter thing that you have forsaken me, the Lord your God. Now friends, listen, God says be astonished, be terribly afraid, be desolate that my nation, my people have changed their gods, that my people have changed their glory, that they have, my people have forsaken me. But the other evil was not that they turned from God, but they turned to other things. I call it drinking from the devil's bucket. Have you ever tried it? 
Man, before I got saved, man, I was always looking for something. Man, there was not a drug I ever met I didn't like. Tried them all. You know what I found out about drugs? They're, they're, they're good. They make you feel good. Or people wouldn't be addicted. They wouldn't be doing them. They're fun. Smoking pot's fun. But smoking pot is a gateway drug that makes you realize there's more powerful and better drugs. And if you start smoking pot, it won't satisfy you for long. I remember when I first started smoking pot and drinking. I was 15 years old. First time I ever got passed out at a party and had to be drugged home to a friend's home. Don't even remember how I got there. And the next day they brought me home, said, we called your parents last night and told them that you got sick and that we were bringing you home. When I got home, my parents said, where you, you feeling better? I said, yeah, I'm okay now. I got away with it. I entered into a life. And I started smoking pot every chance I get. I started drinking. You know what I found? As long as you got pot and you got a bag, and as long as you got another one to roll up, pot's pretty good till you run out. Then all you can think about is getting some more pot. But you know, for a while there, pot was enough. I remember being at a party where they was taking pills. Said, I'll never take pills. But one day I took pills. I was at a party another time. There were some people in the back room. I said, what are they doing back there? Man, they was coming out. And I said, boy, I don't know what they got a hold of, but I want to see what they're doing. I went back there, and for the first time ever, I seen people shooting dope. I said, I ain't never going to shoot dope. But before long, I was in that back room. I can still remember to this day the first time I stuck a needle in my arm. I was with a boy named Larry Stein. He's dead now. He OD'd. And I shot that dope. And I want to tell you something, boy, I thought I'd found the answer. But you know what I found? When I became addicted to cocaine, that cocaine is just like this devil's bucket. It leaks. <laughs> Have you figured out yet that the devil's bucket leaks? Now, that was my bucket. You see, he says, they have turned from the, the God of the living water <laughs> to a broken cistern that can't even hold water. You know what I found? And I know some of y'all is going to panic, but don't worry. This thing has been stained before it gets spilled on every Wednesday. And then you need to worry about the stain on your heart more than the stain that's going to be on the carpet that will dry before next Sunday. But you know what I found, man? As long as I had pot, man, I'd take me a big old drink. And as long as I was smoking on that thing, it worked pretty good. But as soon as the joint went out and the high went away, I was empty. So I tried pills. I got me a good dose of that. But the more pills I took, the more I needed. So then I found cocaine. Oh, man, I loved it. As long as I had a quarter ounce or an eight ball or another gram, I was doing all right. But the more I poured cocaine into me, the more cocaine ran out. And man, I'd go home as empty and worse than before. Some of yours may not be drugs. What is your bucket the devil gets you to drink? You see, you can try that adulterous fare, that sexual immorality. As long as you're on that computer looking at that pornography, you'll feel okay. But the minute you turn the computer off and you get alone again by yourself, you're emptier than you were before you ever looked at it. Because the devil's bucket is a lie from the pit of hell. Some of you think if I can just get this next thing, this new car, this bigger house, this prettier girlfriend, I'll find what I'm looking for. But anything besides God will always leave you spiritual empty. Because it leaks. And friends, 
America is consumed with this. And we get to looking at it. And we get to thinking, I believe that's going to be what I need. And friends, you know what I found? It doesn't take a whole lot to get us on the path of backsliding. The devil's smart. He'll tell you, oh, this is just one little thing. Friends, you know what? I've been at this church long enough now for three years to see there's a whole lot of families that's drinking from a bucket that's never going to ever give them what God said he'd give them. You know why we have a lot of homes today that the marriage is not the way it should be? Because the family is not the way it should be? Because the only one that can make life worth living is the true God, the one who is the living waters. You know what I found out? For 33 years, I loved in that condition. Finally, the woman who I loved and loved me said, after eight years, I can't take no more. When are you going to change? When are you going to grow up? I said, I've been like this since the day you met me. I'm going to be like this to the day I die. I would have been the biggest proponent of legalization of marijuana. I said it was natural. God made it. Certainly, he expects us to use it. Amen? But God made cyanide too. You been using any of that lately? Friends, listen, I was so deceived and I thought that every day needed to begin and needed to end with a joint. I went from the time I was 15, by the time I was 16, I was buying pot with every paycheck. I got kicked out of school. I went to work with my dad. Y'all know my story. And boy, the devil tricked me. He thought I was something. I mean, he convinced me I was. I was dealing. I was buying quarter pounds at first selling a couple getting me a free ounce for pot I was able he tricked me but once I got on cocaine guess what I've never met anybody yet that can control cocaine and cocaine was an empty bucket I was so broke I went in rehab and I tried religion I got out I didn't even know who Jesus was I got baptized I joined my mama's church and I went into that little Baptist church for about six months without Jesus and I was still drinking from a bucket. You see, you might not understand this, but sometimes religion is the bucket. If you've been working and trying, religion is good. It's necessary. It's part of our relationship with Jesus, but it's not what knowing Jesus is. And I tried that, and it left me empty. So I went back to cocaine. After six months of being clean, when I went back, I was the living reality of that verse where Jesus said there was a demonic spirit who was cast away and they cleaned up that man and that man was good but then that demon went out and found seven more and he came back and when he come back he was worse than he was even before because I'm here to tell you the only one that can clean up your house and fill it with what it was created and what God redeemed you for it to be filled with is God. Before he fills you with the spirit, he's going to wash you with the blood. Can I get an amen? And when the blood washes you and the sin and the things that you've been trying to fill your heart with is removed, God moves in and he fills you with the living water, the Holy Spirit. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but when I met Diane, I was in a terrible way. To this day, I know God sent her. <laughs> and I was with her and we were 
going and she got saved and she told me I need to go to church. I went to church still trying to fill the bucket. If I can get Diane back, I'll be all right. Friends, listen. One day all I can tell you is my story. One day I was so empty. I had her back. I had what I thought it. She remarried me. Everything went the way I planned. But one thing, I was emptier than ever before. She was different. She had something I didn't have. And I kept talking to God. And I'd go to church and I'd try to make deals. And I'd try to fix things. And I told y'all before, I said, Lord, if you'll fix my marriage and make it the way it used to be, I don't want to hurt her. I could see it was worse than before she left from the first time we were married, much less the second. And all I know is I came home one day. And I'd been hearing a preacher preach about Jesus. And I'd been hearing him say that Jesus could save you, that he could deliver you, that he could change you. And I remember hearing things like this, that Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. And all I knew was I was thirsty. Friends, look, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, look what Jesus said, he will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Friends, listen, when you get the water that God has to give to you, you don't have to have a bucket. It's in you. You are the bucket. It springs up. Look at what he says, springing up into a fountain of water. But friends, look at this. Jesus said this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. I want to ask you this morning, are you thirsty? Are you tired of trying to fill that inside up with the things of this stinking world? With the lies of the devil's bucket? Oh, you, you'll get a good dose of it, you'll feel good while you got it, but the next day you feel worse than before? Friends, I'm here to tell you the world will never satisfy. But friends, you know what he said? He who believes in me, as the scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I don't know about y'all, but I went home one day. And I just said, Lord, I've tried everything else. I know. <laughs> I ain't got nowhere else to go. But I don't want to be like this anymore. I knelt down in a couch cushion in my living room. I didn't know what I was doing. But what I was doing was I was coming to the fountain. <laughs> I was coming to the source. You know what happened? I got out on my knees and I said, Jesus, this is all left of me. I don't even like me anymore. I'm scared of me. I told you two weeks ago I'd never drink again. I've been drunk three times since then. Lord, will you save me? Lord, will you help me? Man, I took a big drink of Jesus. Mm. and man, I didn't tell nobody. She came home, I didn't even tell her. But when I woke up this morning, it was still there. <laughs> you know what I found out? I got up and I began to read my Bible. And Jesus put a little more in me. I began to learn how to pray. I began to hang out with Jesus. I go into church and I got around people who didn't just go to church. I started hanging around the people who were the church. The people who I knew were different because Jesus had done something to them. And man, them men got around me and Jesus started pointing. Next thing I knew, friend, Jesus just filled my life and it just kept flowing and it kept flowing and it kept flowing and it's been flowing for 25 years almost now. Can I get an amen? And you can't get away from it. 
Since then, not only did he save me, he called me to preach. Not only did he called me to preach, he sent me to school. I got kicked out of school. I didn't even have a high school education. Jesus said, I got you back. If I told you to go to school, go get your degree. I went to school. I done tried three times since I got married to go get my high school diploma, and I quit every time. I went and got it the first try. I never even tried. To, had to write an essay to the preacher. And so I wrote an essay, you know what it was? That I got it, I'm getting my diploma. I want to go to seminary and get a degree and be a preacher. And she went, that's wonderful, Marvin. We all need dreams. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what happened? I applied to seminary. And the next thing I knew, the seminary called me back. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we accept that. I went to seminary when I landed on that campus. I was a foreigner in a strange place but you know what I was not alone God was with me you know what I've come to find friends if you're empty this morning why are you empty if you're not fulfilled what happened you see guys when you get Jesus this is a truth you can't deny Jesus gives us flowing rivers of living water which never run dry it's an everlasting fountain that he provides it's kind of like this God has not moved. <laughs> he's right where he's always been. He's right where he'll always be. With his arms wide open saying, come on home. I got what you need. You ain't going to find it in a new this or another that or another shot of this or another dose of that. You'll never find what you need till you come to me. And when you come to me, you'll never ever Need it again. You may go to it, but you won't even get to do it much. You'll say, I got to go home. I got to come back. Have I ever wandered? Have I ever drank out the devil's bucket again? Yeah, we all do. But guess what? I don't fall for it anymore. I keep coming back, and Jesus keeps filling me up. Guys, you might say, Marvin, I've messed up so many times. You just don't know. I've fallen ten times. Well, get up, and God will meet you. Friends, God loves you. God cares for you. God died for you. And God has what you need. And the devil's bucket is a lie. It won't fix you. It won't make you happy. It won't satisfy you. But God's got what you need. And I want you to think about this. It's kind of like that story. When I first met Jesus, man, I want to tell you what. Jesus took over. <laughs> he became the most important thing in my life. I couldn't shut up about him. I couldn't get quiet I, could, I, I woke up thinking about him I couldn't get him out of my mind I couldn't get him away from my life he, he was everything and there's been times where I have backslidden I know what it's like but he always draws you back and he always fills you back up it's kind of like that story you ever heard about the old man and the old wife and they were riding down the road in the old truck and she said you remember when we first got married we used to sit side by side. I used to sit right next to you. And that old man's driving that old truck. I remember when we first got this truck so long ago. The first day we rode in it. I was sitting right next to you. And old man looked at her. She's finding every reason. And he said, well, honey, I don't know what's wrong because I ain't moved. I'm sitting where I've always sat. You know what? That's exactly what we do with God this morning it's an easy thing do you want what God has to give you or do you want to quit playing and drinking from the devil's bucket 
He wants to give you refreshing, living water that flows from without you like rivers, not a river, flowing rivers, which never run dry, an everlasting fountain. But you got to want more than church. you got to come to church not just to hear preaching, not just to get a religious experience and have your scratch made. you got to come wanting Him. you got to come wanting Him to take you and fix you and remember that He can do it. I'm praying this morning, there's somebody here today that believes God can still do things that only God can do. That can, He can still fix what's been broken. That He can still fill what seems empty. And we're going to have a, a time of invitation now. And we're going to sing that song we already sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have you ever really paid attention to those lyrics? Have you ever really thought about that? It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Friends, listen. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? <laughs> we should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all of our sorrows share? Jesus knows your every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, He's our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Friends, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to leave with anything that you're not supposed to have. Jesus can fix you. He can change you. He can fill you. Maybe you got some things in your life today that you need to bring up here to the altar of grace. The Bible says that there is an altar that God has provided where we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. You know, today to come, to have a problem, to be empty, to be drinking from the lies of the devil's bucket, and to leave not being fulfilled and satisfied with the living water would be a waste of why we're even here. I don't know about y'all, but I hope and pray today that some sinner will say, Lord, I want you. Because Jesus wants you. I hope one of y'all's looking to him because I promise you he's looking at you. And I hope one of you's willing to come to him because he's waiting this morning. We're going to sing now. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to have our people come forward. Come on, folks, it's time. <laughs> and we're going to do what Jesus brought us here for. Jesus didn't gather his church today to entertain us to speak truth into our life that we don't do anything with. He brought us here today because he can fix us. He can change us. He can do more of us. Why do we have the same amount of divorce in the church today as in the world? 
Why do we have just as many people in the church today addicted on prescription drugs as we do in the world? Why do we have all the same problems in the church today? Why do they keep telling us over and over and over that church people look and use pornography just as much as the world out there? Because you're listening and drinking from a bucket that leaves you empty, that will never satisfy. But Jesus is here today, and he's calling. Can I get an amen? And he's saying, come to me, not a preacher, not a church. Come to me, and I'll fill you. I'll satisfy you. I'll make life worth living. Will you come? He's calling. Will you come if you need to? What a friend we have in Jesus. He's calling you. Come. I would love to pray with you if you would want me to. My wife's right here. If you're a lady and you want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to ask Diane. I don't do this very often. I'm going to say, Diane, would you come stand right up here with me this morning? Ladies, you need help just like men. My wife would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. There's an altar right here. There's a man already here. God will help you. He will help you. He loves you. So if you can and you need to, come while God is calling. I promise you, you won't regret it if you ever get a drink of the what he's got to give you. Father in heaven, I've done all I know to do and say. It's in your hands. This is your time. This is your altar. This is your people. And Lord, I'm preaching to the church today. People who knew you, know you, who've walked with you but's wandered. Lord, let them come home. Lord, I'm preaching to the prodigal who's out in the hog pen, who needs to come to his senses and realize that he's got it so much better in his daddy's house than all that out there. And Lord, I'm also preaching though to the man today who knows he's never been saved. And Lord, I know you'll save him. You'll fill him. You'll come and forgive him, cleanse him so that you can bless him. So Lord, if there's someone who needs to be saved today, let them know that in Jesus their salvation and hope. As I pray now, Lord, I pray you'll move and people will obey and respond to your help. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.